Hello, everyone. I'm Jonathan Schuler, and welcome to the Fortress of Truth, where we look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein by the grace of God. Jesus said, "If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Thank you, Lord. Well, we've been talking about for a little while now the love walk. This is our series. It's called the Love Walk, and we began a couple weeks ago talking about this, and we've been looking in Ephesians chapter five, and we're going to look there again today. Ephesians chapter five. Now, before we get into the Word, I want to encourage you to expect to receive something from the Lord. Anytime we go to the Word of God, the opportunity is there, if we have ears to hear, for the Holy Spirit to teach us and show us things that we need to see, to tell us things that we need to hear, to direct us, to guide us, to make little course corrections all along our way. And you know, when you pay attention to those tiny little course corrections that the Holy Spirit gives you, then it can change your whole outcome 20 years, 30 years, 50 years down the road. If you didn't make a small adjustment when the Holy Spirit first told you to do it, then decades down the road, you're going to wind up in a completely different place than the Lord originally intended for you to be. I know pilots. Uh, my dad was a pilot. My grandpa was a pilot. Um, so I kind of grew up around aviation. And if you're going across the country, like say you're starting in uh, Florida and you're heading for California, if you start off with maybe one degree off on your compass heading, not much. And for the first half of the journey, you're not going to be able to tell much difference. But if you keep on going that one degree off, you're going to wind up miles and miles away from where you intended. Like I said, if you're going from Florida to California and you're one degree off, you probably won't even hit California at all. You'll probably wind up in Oregon or Washington or something like that. Maybe even Canada. I don't know. Depends on how far off you are. But when you're first starting out, it doesn't seem like much. But if you keep persisting in that wrong direction, you persist in not making the corrections necessary, then you're going to wind up in a completely different place than you should. But thank God for the Holy Spirit and His mercy. He's gracious. I know it says in, in the Bible in Lamentations that the Lord's mercies are new every morning and his faithfulness is great. It actually says, great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. And that's where we get the hymn, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. And I'm so grateful because if my heart is to follow after the Lord, then I can't miss what he's going to tell me. You know, if, if I'm not getting it, if he keeps telling me something and I'm not getting it, he's going to turn up the volume. You know, it's, he's going to make it more obvious to me. It's going to be harder and harder to ignore 
that, hey, Jonathan, you need to make this little course correction here. You need to make this little adjustment. You need to start uh, walking in love more here. You need to start giving more here. You need to start watching your pride over here. You know, little things, maybe. And it may even be something as simple as, hey, go talk to that person over there. Go give them a hug. Go give them $20. It doesn't have to be something big, something monumental. Like I said, it's those little course corrections that the Lord gives you all along the way that keep you on track. So believe to receive something from the Lord today. Expect to receive something from his word and you won't be disappointed. Jesus said, ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Whenever you're asking according to the will of God, he will give it to you. We can have confidence of that. All right, so we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. And I'm reading again out of the New King James. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And we've also looked at the NIV in times past of this same passage. It says, Ephesians 5.1, NIV, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Notice that Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us. That's important. So we've been talking about the love walk and how, what that means to walk in love, to live a life of love. And we've been seeing that one of the biggest ways we can know if we're living in the way God wants us to live is to check up on our love walk. In other words, how well are you walking in love? How much are you walking in love? And that will determine the degree to which you're living the life God wants you to live, the way you're behaving towards others, the way you're acting and reacting towards other people, towards situations. And we've, we've mentioned this before, that people used to wear bracelets with WWJD on them. What would Jesus do? Well, the answer is walking in love. Whatever situation you encounter, what would Jesus do in that situation? Well, what would love do in that situation? And that's what Jesus would do. Now, we got into last time talking about, um, I, I read to you something that Brother Keith Moore said, the Lord showed him about walking in love. And that was that the greatest expression of love is giving. The greatest expression of love is giving. Let's look over again. Um, well, let's, we're going to look at John, but I want to read you real quick Romans chapter 13 
And uh, I'm just, for time's sake, I'm going to just read verse 10. It says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if you're truly walking in the love of God towards someone else, you're not going to want to hurt them in any way. In fact, your love for them is going to be a motivating factor for you not to hurt them. And if you do by accident hurt them, then the love of God in you is going to rise up and is going to say, oh, well, let me fix that. I'm so sorry that I hurt you. Let me fix that. Love works no ill to his neighbor. And therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if we're walking in love towards God and towards other people, then we don't have to worry about fulfilling all, I think it's 630 other laws that God gave the Israelites in in the first five books of the Bible, Leviticus and Numbers and those books. You know, I'm commented last time, I don't think I could even remember all 630 laws, let alone keep them. But the New Testament commandment is to love, to love God first and to love people. That is the New Testament commandment. And if we're doing that, then we don't have to worry that we're doing everything the way God wants us to. If we're letting the Holy Spirit lead us, if we're letting him show us how to walk in love and we're actively um, doing that and being intentional about it, then we can rest assured that we are doing what God would have us to do. Now, I said it on, that way on purpose, doing it intentionally because the flesh, the nature of the flesh is selfish and everybody has flesh. Everybody has to deal with it. Everybody has to deal with pride, with self-centeredness. It's not something that you're ever going to say, wake up one day and say, all right, I've arrived. I have conquered pride. I have conquered self-centeredness. No, if you're going to do that, then you're going to have to get rid of your flesh, get rid of your body. And if you get rid of your body, you can't stay here. So as long as you're down here on the earth, you're going to have to deal with pride, self-centeredness, trying to be the center of attention, trying to be focused on yourself. You know, how does this make me feel? How do, how do I feel about this situation? What do I want to do? You know, that's, that's all about the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. And that's the nature of the flesh is self-centeredness. But it says in Romans chapter 5, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you've made him the Lord of your life, then you become a believer, then the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He is in your spirit, your heart, the real you. The Bible talks about the hidden man of the heart. That's, that's talking about your spirit, the real you. Your body isn't you. you. You are a spirit being. You live in this physical body. It's kind of like a house that you live in. Your spirit will live forever with the Lord if you're a believer. 
If you're not a believer, then it won't go to heaven, but I, I'm, I'm trusting that you uh, will accept Jesus, and so then you will get to go to heaven and be with the Lord. Praise God. But anyway, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So if we become a believer, the Holy Spirit's come to live inside us. He has given us the love of God, the love that God loves with. He has put in our heart. And we can demonstrate that love to other people, to everyone that we meet. Now the issue then becomes renewing our mind because our flesh didn't get born again. Our flesh is still the same as we were before we accepted Jesus. And it still has that same nature, that same worldly, fleshly nature as everybody else's flesh. That is, me first. What about me? What do I want? How can I meet my needs? It's all about me, 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 I, I, I. That's the nature of the flesh. And it's still that way. No matter how long you've been born again, if you've been born again 50 years and you're the most spiritual person on the block, you still have the fleshly nature that you can have to deal with. The issue then becomes, how well can we put the flesh under? The scripture talks about crucifying the flesh. Paul said in one place, mortify your members. What does that mean? Kill it. Nail it. <laughs> Shut it down. And your flesh can have a loud voice sometimes. You know, if your flesh doesn't like something, it'll let you know pretty quick. And it might holler pretty loud. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, you just, you got you to gotta rise up. You got to be spiritually strong and rise up and say, uh-uh, shut up. I'm not following after you. You know, I, I remember, again, Brother Keith Moore, he was uh, giving an illustration along this line, talking about putting the flesh under. And he was saying that, you know, what you feed gets bigger. You know, that, that's just a, a concept that works in any area of life. What you feed gets bigger. So if you feed your flesh and give it what it wants, then it's going to rise up and it's going to be so powerful and it's going to dominate your spirit. So, you know, your flesh might say, well, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I don't care what happens with other people. I'm going to do what I want to do. And your spirit is down here, little, little, little tiny, weak spirit is down here going, no, no, don't do it. No, we need to walk in love. And your flesh, great big old flesh says, shut up. We're going to do what we want to do. You know, this is Brother Moore's illustration. He gets pretty animated sometimes. And I can get animated too, obviously. <laughs> but it's all about what you feed. But here's the deal. You can stop feeding the flesh and stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh and stop going after what the flesh wants and start feeding your spirit and doing what the spirit wants you to do following the leading of the Holy Spirit, getting in the Word of God, feeding on the anointed Word, feeding on messages like this and, and other ministers who are good, feeding on the Word of God straight for yourself. 
that's giving your spirit energy. That is uh, making your spirit strong. And as you keep doing that, and you keep renewing your mind with the word of God, then your spirit is going to rise up and it's going to be strong and the dominating force in your life. And the flesh is just going to get weaker and weaker. And so then in that case, if the flesh says, um, hey, um, can, can we do this over here? Your spirit says, no, we're going to walk in love. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. You know, it's all about renewing the mind and it's all about feeding your spirit. You already have, if you're a believer, you already have the love of God in your heart. But what we need to do now is renew our mind to the truth of the word of God that makes us free. Like the scripture that we read at the beginning of each lesson. In John 8, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're truly my disciples. And then you're going to know the truth and the truth is going to make you free. What's it going to make you free from? It's going to make you free from fulfilling the lusts and the desires of the flesh. It's going to be a matter of you feeding your spirit, taking in the truth of the word, and continuing in it. That's the key to this, continuing in it. Don't just jump in for a little while and then jump back out. And also, don't jump in and you're hearing the truth and feeding on the truth, but you never act on it. James chapter 2 talks about faith without corresponding actions. It says it's dead. It doesn't do anything. It's worthless. If you don't ever act on what you truly believe, then you don't believe it enough. That might ruffle some feathers, but it's what the scripture says. Go read it, James chapter 2. The whole chapter is talking about faith without corresponding action. Now, the King James uses the word works, faith without works. That works is works that correspond to what you're believing in. You know, the, the classic example is that of a chair. It, if you're standing next to a chair, you could make two statements. One, I know this chair will hold me up. Two, I believe this chair will hold me up. If you're standing next to it, which, one, which statement is correct? The first one. You know that chair will hold you up because it's a good strong chair. You can tell all four legs are attached, nothing's broken on it, and if you're, if you're smart, you won't have a broken down chair, a chair that won't hold you up, you won't have it in your house to begin with unless you're fixing it. But the thing is, you only know it. You don't actually believe it. Why? Because you're standing next to it. The only time we can tell you truly believe that chair is going to hold you up is, is when you actually sit down in it. That's when you're believing in the chair. You're trusting in the chair. How do we know that? Because you have corresponding action to go with it. And that's the way it is with the truth of the Word of God. You got to continue in it. You got to act on it. And that's when miracles will start to happen in your life. Now, in our last few minutes here, I want to talk about something 
something that we brought up last week, and I think we're going to continue in this vein for a little while. I read to you what Brother Moore said, the greatest expression of love is giving. Let's look over at John chapter 3 very quickly. Jesus said here in John 3 and verse 16, very familiar passage, John 3, 16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved that he gave. The greatest expression of love is giving. Now, John 15, we looked at this last week as well, but I want to look at it again. John 15, beginning with verse 11, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. The Lord wants us to be full of joy, and he wants his joy to remain in us. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Now, how can we do that? The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. That's how we can love each other, just as Jesus has loved us, because the love he loves us with, he has put in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, last week I shared with you that when I first was reading, in the, reading this passage, I limited this to strictly being about someone literally laying down their life for you. You know, someone dying in your place, basically taking a bullet for you. And th that does apply here. That is a very high method of demonstrating your love. That's what Jesus did for us. He died in our place. And then God raised him from the dead. And he's seated at the right hand of God right now. But what I found out as I was asking the Lord and studying this, I've realized the Lord showed me that there's a way for us to lay down our life for our friends every day of our life. And how's that? That's being others-centered, not self-centered. You're thinking about others. You're focusing on them and what they want and what they like more than on yourself. And what that comes down to is where you put value. How much value do you put on someone else? How much value do you put on what they want, on what they like? And how much value do you put on yourself? You know, instead of the word value, we might say weight. How much weight does someone else's desire carry in your life as opposed to your own desire? 
Because what you value, you're going to make time for. What you value, you're going to spend your resources on. Your time, your money, your energy. Whatever you value, that's what you're going to be um, investing in. Now, some people might not like this because it kind of shows them up a little bit. But you can look, like if you did an audit of your time, how your time is spent, that will reveal what you like and what you value the most. However much time you spend on something beyond what you have to reveals how much you value that. If you spend every minute of your uh, leisure time, you know, preparing the fishing boat to go out on the lake, you know, you're out there polishing the boat and and getting your rods ready and, and going to the store and finding new lures and all that. If you're spending all your time, if you're investing all kinds of money into this kind of thing, and you, you're out there every weekend, you know, doing your, spending your energy doing this kind of thing, that shows how much value fishing has in your life. Now, nothing against fishing. Fishing's good. But it shouldn't be the highest priority in your life. Or if you're spending every day working at your job, you know, you're always, you're a workaholic. You're always working. You're always trying to climb the corporate ladder. You're always trying to get stuff done. That reveals how much weight that has in your life. And it's good to work. It's good to be diligent. Proverbs talks in many, many places about the hand of the diligent makes rich. But the the slothful, the lazy person tends to poverty. Diligence is good. But there are times that the Lord might lead you to do something else. It's more important to be led than to be diligent. Now, being diligent is important. And when the Lord leads you to do something, you ought to put put, put your full effort into that. Be as diligent as you can be. But there are some times that we can get... Uh, like Brother Moore would call it, the finish the row mentality. You know, before they had mechanized uh, farm equipment, harvesting equipment, you'd have to go out in the cornfield and pick all those ears of corn by hand. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. If, it was, if you were growing beans, you're going to have to pick all them beans by hand. Cabbages, lettuce, tomatoes, whatever the case may be. And if you, if you farm for a living, you're going to have rows and rows and rows of these crops. And what you have to do is you just kind of get locked in. You know, okay, I got to get to the end of this row. I'm finishing this row. I'm not letting things distract me because it's gonna, I'm going to be out here all day if I do that. And it'll take me forever to get this crop in. So you just got to get that finish the row mentality. I just got to get this done. I can't rest until I get this done. Well, that's good if that's what the Lord's leading you to do. But there are some times the Lord might lead you to do something else. He might lead you, hey, why don't you take a little vacation from that? Spend some time with your family. Go invest in this relationship over here. Why? Because with God, it's always about the heart. And it's always about people. The kingdom of God is made up of people. And he gave his life for people. 
Not for a job, not for things, not for possessions, for people. People are the most valuable thing to God. And so we should value His people and value His things above anything else. And when we do that, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, all the things you need, all the good things you desire will be added unto you. You don't have to work and try and sweat and strive for for these things. The Lord's just going to add them to you. Why? Because you're honoring Him. And by honoring Him, you're going to be honoring and valuing His people. Praise the Lord. Well, if you mean it, let's say this as a prayer to the Lord right now. Father God, forgive me for any time I've put myself or anything else before you and before your people. I ask you to help me to walk in love, to value your things, and to value your people the way that I should. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. And I receive your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. If you did, make sure and follow us so that you never miss an episode of The Fortress of Truth. And be sure and join us again next time as we continue talking about the love walk. Well, we'll see you again next time on The Fortress of Truth.